Hello and welcome to the MF Gamers Podcast. My name's Simon and this is episode 5 of 20 Questions where I bring in a surprise guest each episode and ask them 20 gaming related questions. So what have we got in the hot seat today? Question number one, who are you? Give us a bit of background on your username. I'm Tommy, aka Radio Floyd. So I chose this username, I think back in 2006 when I joined the GamesTM forum. So I was really into Radiohead and Pink Floyd. So I thought that I was very cleverly combining them. So yeah, that's where my username comes from, Radio Floyd. It's crazy because I've played a lot of games online and seen a lot of usernames. I've never seen anyone combine either of those. Yeah, but when I go onto like Xbox Live or other things, I nearly always had to add a few digits because it was taken, but yeah. Yeah, I seem to remember it was Radio Floyd 90. Sometimes I had to add 90 for my date of birth or MFG or GTM. Yeah, so yeah, there's not really much more to go on that. That's basically it for your question one. It did lead to the confusion that a lot of people thought my name was Floyd. Yeah. No, no relation to my actual name. Question two, when did you get into games? Um, What was the first game you really got into? I got into games when my uncle gave us a Windows, was it 3.1 PC? Right, so early 90s. Yeah, but I would have been, it was an early 90s PC, but I would have been a bit older. It was probably like 95, 96. And I think there was games preloaded onto that. There was a game called Fantasy World Dizzy, which was not the original really basic looking Fantasy World Dizzy, but a kind of more colorful PC version but I really got into that that was super difficult I never finished it I mean I was only five or six but yeah that was kind of my introduction to gaming and then it blew up a few years later I got a PlayStation 1 a Game Boy a Super Nintendo and yeah I got really into fucking hell you got the whole gum up there I was lucky. I got, I got, a, like I said, a PC off my uncle, a Game Boy off a cousin in the UK, a SNES off probably the same cousin in the UK, and yeah, so I got a helping hand at the start. Yeah, you, you really got a leg up there. But I guess the time I got, yeah, it was probably when I got my PlayStation uh, that I got hardcore into gaming, yeah. My fate was sealed at that point. Right, so question three. This question gets rolled out every single time. Name your favourite game from the age of under 10 and a game for each decade after that. So you're in your 20s. I'm 27, yeah. You're only going to get three games, yeah? I guess so, yeah. If you police me very strictly... I was born in 1990, so it's pretty much like the decade, you know, demarcation. 1990, 2000, 2010. I would say under 10, probably Final Fantasy VIII. That's quite a complicated game for a kid to be into. Yeah, I watched a friend of mine play it, and then I think he he lended it to me, and I got quite a good bit into it, and then I bought the game myself, and I think I played up to the beginning of Disc 4, and I played the game several times, and I don't think I ever got as far as I did the first time, but I still absolutely loved it. So have you finished it, presumably? No, I have never finished Final Fantasy VIII, no. Another one that's not finished the... Fucking hell, what is it with these games? I finished all of them after that. I finished 9, finished 10, 10, 2, 12, 13. But yeah, I I never finished 7 or 8. Yeah, I think we might have to fucking kick another thread off for you to finish 8 at some point. I don't really want to play the PC version because... uh, I think it's all like MIDI music, like it's not the original, apparently the PlayStation soundtrack, PS1 soundtrack is a lot nicer, I, I would, I, I mean I still have the game, I'd like to play the original if, yeah, on my PS2 or whatever. I think you can modify the game files though to, to yeah, insert the I'm original say, soundtrack. You can, either, you can even modify it, or you live in Japan, so <laughs> presumably there is places where you can go and buy those things second hand. Yeah, that's true, but it's pretty hard to get a old CRT TV here, I wanted to do that, but uh... I haven't had any oh, luck so far. Yeah. It's such a weird thing to complain about, isn't it? Not being able to play on a CRT TV, but I've I've had issues where 
I, I, I love playing Super Monkey Ball, and mm. I, my GameCube is still set up under my TV, but I've had different TVs since the CRT that I had. And the first yeah. couple of flat screens that I had, the LCD ones, were fine. But the current one just, it's awful. Like, the latency's mental. Yeah, I kind of left my um, catching up on my retro backlog too late. I The year, the same year I came to Japan, I got a CRT TV and hooked up my PS2 and my Wii to play a bunch of, like, PS2 GameCube games. And I, I got through a few of them, but I left it too late, yeah, so. Mm. Okay, so Final Fantasy VIII is your yeah. game for... 10 and under watch yeah. the game of your teens <laughs> well my heart wants to say final fantasy 9 but you're talking like 2001 there so if i was to look at the whole decade i would say probably fallout 3 yeah that's what blakey picked i think blakey picked that for one of his yeah at the time i have since played fallout 1 and 2 but at the time i hadn't so i know some people complained that it was extremely derivative of the earlier fallout games or that like for example the game featured use of kind of like 1930s, 1940s music, like the ink spots or whatever. And for me, that was all new. But going back, I can see that that style was in the original game, the old style music set to like this kind of wasteland, you know, setting. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. I loved the music. I loved going around collecting stuff and lis listening to I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire or, you know, this really kind of romantic, like simple music. And then all this crazy shit going on in the background, yeah. I absolutely love Fallout 3, yeah. It's a desolate beauty in it. It's kind of ugly and all charred and shit, but it's kind of beautiful at the same time. Yeah, that game, I play, I didn't play that game in like one or two hour sessions. I, I hardly ever played that game for like less than four hours at a time. I just, yeah, absolutely loved it. And um, I know a lot of people, you read this all the time about how Obsidian made a better game with Fallout New Vegas, but I I think that's absolutely bullshit. Like I, I did play about 30 hours of Fallout New Vegas, but I didn't have anywhere near the same appeal to me as Fallout 3. Right, and the game of your 20s. I'm probably looking at fewer games because that was around the time I was in college and I drifted away from playing like the, my main consoles and I probably played a lot of indie games. But I'd have to pick Dark Souls 1, yeah, in 2011. Yeah, right. I think yeah, for obvious reasons. I think Dark Souls is, the appeal of Dark Souls is probably pretty widely expounded on at this stage. But yeah, I think, yeah. That game completely lived up to the hype for me. I was absolutely totally immersed in it. Yeah, I think um, Dark Souls is one of those breakthrough games. Demon Souls nearly got it, but Dark Souls took the ball and run with it. Yeah, I never played Demon Souls because I didn't have a PS3, but yeah, I remember actually Dark Souls has a pretty stiff learning curve in that, well, the very first boss isn't so difficult, but the second boss, the Taurus Demon, um, took me a while because I was trying to, I don't know if you've played Dark Souls, but what the Taurus yeah. Demon does is he starts out on a bridge below you and then jumps up. So I was trying to fight him over and over again on that like narrow, on top of that narrow tower, trying to like honestly win in a melee fight against him. And I mean, it was very difficult, but I thought you know if I keep trying I'll get it but then I read somewhere that there was a really easy way to kind of gimp the fight against him yeah I beat him by just dropping off the ledge planting him with a overhead attack oh yeah sorry that's what sorry that's that's what I was doing yeah yeah well that's pretty clever if you thought of that on your own but I didn't I pretty sure I read that somewhere in the first area you sort of run past the boss don't you when you don't have your weapons and then the first time you fight him is under the ledge and you just drop off and you do loads of damage to him like, you do half his elf bar or something crazy. So that's why I did it. It just, like, uh, just try and cheese it. Yeah. But I, yeah. Once you get into it, it's not so difficult. And I actually played a huge chunk of that game up to maybe Lost Isolith or the part where, around the part where actually the fire, that Taurus demon becomes a regular enemy in one of the late areas in the game. 
and I went back to it maybe a year later and picked up from there and and played the game for another I don't know however long 10 20 hours so yeah no I love that game yeah question four what's the main difference between the gaming culture in Ireland and Japan oh there's a massive difference like for example uh, I don't think gaming is really talked about in Ireland like even in secondary when I remember being in secondary school uh, I didn't have too many conversations about the games I was playing and certainly yeah I remember at work well I mean I only worked with girls but I would never have talked about gaming. I think Japan is the polar opposite. If you're doing things like language exchange, which I do a lot, like people list their hobbies and boys, like guys and girls, lots of people will list their hobbies as gaming or, you know, list gaming as one of their hobbies. If you go to school, like kids are wearing Splatoon t-shirts, Monster Hunter t-shirts. Uh, it's just way more prevalent. And you can see even like my father's generation, like my father would never have played a game in his life. But you can see here people that are, well, maybe a bit younger than that, but people like around the age of 40 have probably been gaming since since the 80s so even mm. like the so-called salary man the, the older guys like you see them like reading manga in the train and are playing games on their phone like the difference is massive yeah the difference is like night and day i guess it's sort of like um don't like over here people talk about football matches or sports yeah. events like yeah. i guess it's sort of like that in japan where it's more of a social thing do you know where it's just a conversation like people talk about the weather yeah i think so yeah definitely gaming is I don't think in any way like a taboo or an like not so much an embarrassing subject for like a guy to, like it's a pretty safe subject I think like I don't think anybody would look down on you whereas in Ireland you could easily get uh, like a like a I think look down on for bringing up gaming if you brought it up to the wrong person you could get a very bad reaction like there's definitely a prevailing attitude in Ireland that gaming is for children like I think among a large percentage of the population would be surprised to learn that like a 27 year old or whatever was playing games whereas in here I think it's totally normal it's kind of crazy when they say that because like how many kids are buying games like it's always the adults that are buying games like the average age of gamer is meant yeah to be that's 30 true something so that's true but yeah it's kind of crazy question five if you could challenge anyone to a game what game would you pick and who would your opponent be probably the only kind of competitive game that i got to any level of decency on was guitar hero so yeah guitar hero one or two and i don't know i'd pick a forum member that was into guitar hero which would be <laughs> Who, uh, I don't know, DC, different class, did he play Guitar Hero? Or Hendo, 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 a lot uh, a lot of the old guys on Games TM, because I guess Guitar Hero is more of a games, I wasn't on the MF Gamers forum at that time, so there's probably a few people that migrated to MF Gamers that were old Guitar Hero fans. Maybe DC, yeah. Yeah, DC played a lot of rhythm action games. He's, um, he's a fucking demon on rock band drums. Well, I won't challenge him to drums then. Oh yeah, sorry, I guess rock band would be a better choice. Question six, are there any parts of gaming that are no longer with us that you miss? That's a good question. Well, I think there are series that I don't quite like the direction they went in, but we've kind of come full circle now where there are old style games coming back. Like I didn't really like the direction Final Fantasy went in. Like it had this kind of pre-drawn backgrounds, like the really highly detailed backgrounds in like Final Fantasy 7, 8 and 9 on the PS1. Yeah, pre-rendered and then static cameras like Resident Evil. Yeah, exactly. I really like that look and because as well the games were text-based and with no voices, they were really deep as in I think if you have to record all this audio, number 1 it costs money and number 2 you probably end up with like less dialogue, less text in the game. But those obviously PS1 games and the older games had didn't have those kind of constraints. But that kind of game is probably coming back now, I guess. Through the indie scene you're talking about. Yeah, through indies and even through games like, you know, Project Octopath Traveler and mm. 
that kind of game, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, when you look at text, text is like kilobytes in size. They can put fucking loads of that in. Whereas if they're talking, they're to get a voice actor that's credible. When I say credible, I don't mean like a famous person. I just mean someone that can voice act. And then yeah. to sit them in a the studio and you know, pay for it all doing. Whereas typing, so it's anyone can type. Anyone to, you know, write a story out. Another series I mentioned, kind of a similar vein. I don't really like the direction it went in was um, Guitar Hero. Like I loved the Harmonix Guitar Hero games. And even Guitar Hero 3, I think it was Neversoft was, it was okay. But I liked the fact that there wasn't like 5,000 songs. There was like 40 or 50 or 60 really. That was all you had. So you played those songs over and over trying to it was it was kind of like i mean of course there was a multiplayer element but i don't think multiplayer was really the focus of the earlier guitar heroes because if there was any kind of skill difference at all between the two players it you know it wouldn't be remotely competitive so mm. it's kind of more like a score attack thing where you would play it on your own and then go online to where they would have the global top scores or whatever and upload your score and just c compare yourself against the best people in the world yeah i really like the solo trying to improve your own score on the like on a limited set of songs kind of element of the original Guitar Heroes. And then, well, Guitar Hero 3 was kind of the same thing, but then it blew up with Rock Band into very much a kind of party game, which is a lot of fun, but it's not, it wasn't quite the original Guitar Hero that I fell in love with, but yeah. You still have that aspect of it though. There was still the people trying to get full combos and stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you, you can go onto like YouTube now and put any song that were in the Rock Band games. And there's someone yeah. full comboing it on any instrument that you could choose to I pick. think I just came to the Xbox 360 generation and uh, Rock Band just a bit too late. The only one I had was Rock Band 3. And yeah, it was an excellent game. It was really good, but yeah. Question seven. Recommend a game that barely gets any love from the masses. Oh, I have to recommend Hollow Knight. That game is amazing. I think that's already quite well known, though. Come on, you can do better than that. Hollow Knights, yeah, I, I pretty much know that that's like, well-liked and, and well-received. This is it. We're going into the Bowser, Tommy's Steam collection. Oh, uh, well, if you want me to pick simple games like Anodyne, for example, I recommend Anodyne. I'm pretty sure it might have less than 100 reviews on Steam. Yeah, why should people play Anodyne? I think it's kind of like a homage to like Zelda Link's Awakening or, you know, those old style SNES, the older 2D Zeldas. But it's really well done. And now you're talking about a game I played about five years ago now. But yeah, really lovely music, really nicely designed in that. I mean, nine hours sounds a bit on the long side for a indie game, but it it's not overly long at all. I remember thinking at the time, wow, this game is almost perfect. Like, I have absolutely loved playing this game. If you like old-style Zelda games, I recommend playing Anodyne. Okay, so there you go, Anodyne. Recommended because it was in the A section of my Steam library. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, first thing that come out of the bag. Exactly. Well, it works for us better than um, Hollow Knight. Okay, question eight. Is there anything in games that makes you cringe or be disappointed in the inclusion of such things? Well, you asked me about the difference between Japan and Ireland, and obviously one of the big differences is they are way more liberal here with regards to, like, sexualization of female characters. So, I mean, obviously if you play something like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I guess that probably, I mean, they could tone that down in Japanese RPGs. But not every Japanese RPG is guilty of that. Why do you think it happens, though? Why do you think there's this over, over Oh, it's totally, totally reflected everywhere in their culture. I mean, if you go to a, a convenience store, like right next to like Golf Digest or something, you'll just have all these porn mags. And I, it's hard to know what's even real and what's fake. Like, even if you look at like Japanese girls' Instagram accounts or whatever, like you can tell that Japanese girls and guys too, not just girls at all, will heavily edit like, all their Instagram photos and you know the whole Parikara culture like they'll edit their eyes they'll edit their bodies their legs everything so yeah it's everything's filtered to fuck 
yeah everything's filtered altered distorted and there's also there's definitely like i don't know if i can say this on the on the podcast but there's definitely like a big tits kind of magazine culture here like you'll just see rows of those kind of magazines with those kind of things splashed splashed on the cover you've got to remember back in the uk we had page three i mean we don't have it now but that would have used to open a fucking newspaper up. Yeah, or, I, uh, one of the yeah. red tops, and it's just there were just a woman there with a fucking gamble. I re- I remember it well. Yeah, I think it's hard to. I can't say even though I've been here two years. I mean, I'm not a Japanese person, and I know I don't have the mindset of like a Japanese guy of my age. But I think a lot of games obviously are made by young Japanese men, and I can see by the way they like with no um, embarrassment will sit leafing through like one of these kind of porn magazines or they just by the popularity of dodgy looking iPhone games that kind of thing is widespread and yeah I think probably for a lot of these artists when they're designing female characters that's comes naturally to them because it's mm. not just reflected in games obviously if you look at any porn or not porn if you look at any manga or anime uh you'll see this exact same thing yeah it's kind of crazy that like they, they're so okay with that it's so normalized because they have this thing called um gravia i'm not sure these like idols and it's all i mean talking about that xenoblade characters it's all that kind of like body type like it looks i don't know but yeah there's definitely that kind of even things like steins gate the visual novel right it's just everywhere visual novels yeah everywhere so that i that would be my choice to tone down the sort of ridiculous over sexualization of but then again i'm not a prude either and it, it wouldn't make me boycott xenoblade or anything like that i think it's got a time and a place hasn't it like that over overly sexual stuff yeah it don't need to be in every fucking last thing that you you consume if she looks and sounds like an adult i don't mind but if she looks and sounds like a child or someone like under 12 or like a, a primary school student well then that's a i would be more against that question nine you get to remove one game or game series from list of games which is it and why oh my god i've liked most of the games i've played so that's a very difficult question it don't have to be something you played it, it could be just something that you've looked at and gone yeah that's shit that's that's no there's no reason for that to exist let's just bin it speaking of japanese games although i think they have kind of bleeded over to the west but uh, i don't like these japanese smartphone rpgs where they have a story but if you open up the main menu they're always like oh thank you for logging in here we'll give you five crystal shards and six blue diamonds and you can either spend them in game or like convert them to real world money and spend them on the store you know if you play any of these iphone japanese rpgs where they heavily push the store and the whole ui is just really busy so you're not only chucking one game or game series and you're chucking an old genre in i guess so yeah because i really have only played games i've liked but yeah i don't i don't like those kind of Especially because the art for them is really beautiful. Like, if you read a Japanese, like, gaming website or just a... You know, they're like, such and such a game has been announced and it has really beautiful artwork. Or if you open up Famitsu and leaf through it and a game will catch your eye and you think, wow, the artwork for this game is really beautiful. And it's just concept art for, like, a mobile phone RPG that, Mm. you know, doesn't look anything like that art in reality. Yeah, it feels like wasted talent. Exactly, yeah. Okay, question 10. This is your milestone question. Name your favourite poster on MF Gamers. Probably you, I guess. Really? You've got a pretty fucking low standards, man. <laughs> well, no, but because you were the person that introduced me to MF Gamers, I think, when Games TM was going down the drain. And also, I think it was really noticeable when you were gone. You know, sometimes you'd be like, oh, I would just have like the thought, I'm sure that you would have said something really funny, or I, I would have been curious to know what you would have thought about something. But, you know, obviously you, you, you were on sabbatical for a year or whatever. I like most of the posters. Yeah, I like you. I like Nag because... He doesn't give a shit. He sticks to his guns. 
And I know he's a Final Fantasy fan as well, so that's probably another reason. But yeah, I kind of like that he stirs shit and like talk and says <laughs> crap about the Switch and talks. Well, I guess that's kind of what he does. He doesn't, yeah, because there isn't too many Xbox games to get excited about. But yeah, but he, <laughs> oh, is that an indirect burn? No, but I'm just trying to think of what kind of stuff he. I noticed that he does, and I guess it's more the yeah the baiting the baiting of the whatever the Nintendo people. But I think it's very funny. I've actually. I know I've listened back to some of these old podcasts and was it Hendo or someone saying that like he wishes he could get rid of like the arguing or bickering on the forum but I've never I don't know I always felt that it was really mild I always thought it was funny it's but, never malicious yeah but then again I don't play online so like if I was playing online and yeah it might be a bit more awkward but I always thought it was very funny especially the whole Nintendo Switch Xbox One he's a pantomime villain that's the way that you look at it oh that's the way I look at it at least but yeah I, I have to give the nod for you because I was glad when you came back right okay Okay, well, wow, I've, it, what, we're five episodes in and I finally got a vote. Fucking hell, thank you very much. Question 11, name a game you wish you were good at, but, um... I know a lot of people have answered fighting games, which could easily apply to me, but I'm not sure that I would wish that I was good at them, really, to be honest. Right. I'm not really into, like, hobby-style games. I don't want to get into a Warframe or a Street Fighter 2 or a Destiny and play it for a year. I'm more into just playing playing game, finishing it, playing game, finishing it, like, having new experiences, like, playing story games. Mm -hmm. So, games that I wish I was good at, difficult platformers, things like that, like Super Meat Boy, I wasn't very good at that, or like Cuphead I, I actually I own Cuphead but I've been playing it with a friend and um, like he's a lot better than me so I really love playing it but you know I it, I need to practice the game more and get better at it because I'm not helping him with my shitness but yeah but then again a game I wish I was I just wish I was I played more games to be honest I have more games than I have time to play them or yeah but I can't really think of a genre but maybe Twitch platformers that kind of thing yeah, there's a lot of hard platform games. That, well, even even platform games that are sort of mild, there's some that go the extra mile. Like, you look at something like Crash Bandicoot, the first one. Sure, you can finish it, you know, with okay skills. But if you want to get every single box and stuff, then you're going to have to be fucking really, really stretched you know, your skills for, for doing platforming because it's genuinely fucking hard. It's really difficult. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's out of left field choice because most people say fighting games or um, I think we've had one person that said uh, real-time strategy games. So, yeah, platform games. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. I don't tend to play a lot of very difficult games, but I don't, I'm don't. i not averse to difficult games. Like, Hollow Knight was pretty difficult. Dark Souls, Guitar Hero, like, even Super Hexagon, that game that I absolutely loved. Like, I just played them and, and got to a level, like, got gradually more competent at them and was able to enjoy them, so, yeah. Mm. Okay, next question. Name your favourite intro to a game. Rest at game doesn't even have to be that good. It's just the intro that I'm focusing on here. Oh, you mean opening cutscene? Yeah, which game blew me away on, you know, booting up and starting to play it? In terms of my memory of the opening of a game, probably my... The, the opening of a game that I most love is Final Fantasy VIII. I loved walking around the Balam Garden School, hearing the music and... Because the game starts off like so kind of humble beginnings, like you're just a student and you have to take a test and then obviously it balloons out into this massive RPG. Yeah, is it sedentary? Like it's sort of really relaxed, a total juxtaposition of what's going to happen. Yeah, because you go around, there's a card game you can play and then you go outside the school just chatting to people and there's this like really sleepy seaside town and then gradually the game, yeah, you start battling and the game gets more complicated and it develops into like the sort of grand world saving RPG that it turns into but yeah Final Fantasy 8 Question 13 Whose work in the games industry do you admire the most? 
the Japanese composer, what is his name, Nobuo Uematsu, the guy that did all the music for Final Fantasy, well, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and he did the music for the Mistwalk RPGs, Blue Dragon, Lost Odyssey. I absolutely loved his music. So maybe in terms of the overall, he would be the guy. Question 14, name your favourite controller of all time and explain why it's so good. Uh, the Guitar Hero controller, because... Wow, that is... Hell, that it was a hell is, of a lot of fun. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. I wasn't expecting all oh, the GameCube controller or the PlayStation controller, but yeah, okay. Man, Guitar Hero was great. Yeah, Guitar Hero. I mean, I remember the first time playing like Smoke on the Water on easy difficulty and just getting such a kick out of it. Yeah, so Guitar Hero. The SG version, presumably. Well, the original version were just yeah, all the, clicky and clanky and drove my mother mental, but yeah. Yeah, the SG version. I always had a soft spot for the uh, the Explorer one. I thought the Explorer were a nicer version. Yeah, any of them. No, the um, the Guitar Hero 3 one were dog eggs. Oh. It, were, it wasn't very good, the Les Paul one. It looked cool, but <laughs> it, it played like a broke dick. Okay, this is your milestone question. Mm-hmm. You actually gave me a little bit of shit about this one when I asked you to come on the show, but you are not going to avoid it. You have to do this. Everyone okay. that comes on has to do it. Question 15. Give me your best impression of your favourite game character. Okay. This is so embarrassing. Oh my god. Mm. <laughs> well, I really like the voice acting in um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So I'm sorry, this is going to be lost on you. Slide. And um, also it was in... I mean, I played with the Japanese voice acting. But... Um, Go on. I'm sorry, this, this is like the only game with the audio in my mind. But there was a grandpa character in it. And the main character was called Rex. But... Um, Stop like, stalling it- and get to it. <laughs> Well, I'm doing it, but the main character was called Rex, but he would, like, uh, really elongate his name to, like, Rex! So there's my impression. If that's good enough, people that have played Xenoblade Chronicles, you'll have to give him some rep when he eventually posts after this goes up. No, because in the English version, it would just be Rex, but in the Japanese version, it was like, Rex! But yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So, oh, oh, so there's a different, like, there's, like, a language differences. Yeah. So what does he do? Again, go on. Give us a proper <laughs> version. A proper drawn-out version. <laughs> Well, they can't just say X in Japanese because it's just not in their wheelhouse. So they will turn into like this kusu sound. So rekusu. So there right. you go. Rekusu. Fucking hell, what it really that hard, Tommy? Damn. That's a really shitty a shitty one, man. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of my favorite games, but they were like unvoiced Final Fantasies and Spyro. And like, I can't remember the voice of Spyro. And honestly, I can't think of any recent examples. So just Xenoblade is the only thing I've got. Hey, uh, you've done it now. It's okay. Question 16, name a game that you'd like to be a film or TV series and name a film or TV series you'd like to be made into a game. I guess it was almost a movie to begin with, but Deadly Premonition might have been, but then it was, I guess it was like heavily inspired by Twin Peaks, but Deadly Premonition would have been a pretty cool TV series, I think. Do you reckon? It was fucking odd. It was really (laughs) odd. Maybe Deadly Premonition or, oh God. When you think about it, all the little stories that go on, they could sort of spin that out into like a mini series of like three, three, four, five, maybe even six episodes. Joe, with like an overarching story to it. A lot of games would probably be suited to to be made into a nice mini series. Okay, so that's the game that you'd like to be made into a, a film or TV series. What about the other way around? Film or TV series that you want to be made into a game? I wouldn't mind seeing someone make a more a modern stab at Harry Potter or something like that. Do it again. Man, you think about Harry Potter. Like, how has there never been an open world version of that game, that yeah. film, into a game? Something maybe even, it may be even something not so constrained by the story of the books and just like, but heavily inspired by them. Just and, the Hogwarts, yeah. like, um, like an RPG. When I was younger and I 
I didn't have any sense of good games or shit games. I just played whatever my parents bought or whatever. Like I, I played a few of those Harry Potter games on the PS1 and I liked them. But yeah, it'd be nice to see a proper, give a good developer a chance to make a cool Harry Potter game. I'll tell you a good fit for a Harry Potter game in games that have already been released. Something like Bully. Do you know that small open oh, yeah. world sort yeah, of thing? exactly. That's a good template for a Harry Potter game. Exactly. You've got the schooling stuff as well, haven't you? And then you can go fuck about and play sports. Exactly, and... yeah. Rockstar, Rockstar would be a good shout for it, yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a market for something like that. Easily. Yeah. Question 17. What's your biggest gaming achievement? The, I think it was called Hexagonist in, like, Super Hexagon. I was just going to say, I you've done some quite amazing feats in gaming. You've full comboed a lot of yeah. songs in Guitar Hero. You've, you've finished Super Hexagon. Like, I can't even fucking get two or three levels in. I'm done. But you managed to finish that, and it's just... That just oh, no, I, I, I mean, I think I played, like, Hexagon, Hexagon, or Hexagonist. And then there was, like, Super Hexagon. Super. I can't remember, but, yeah. Uh, but whatever I did get was really difficult. Like, I got pretty good at a pretty high difficulty in the game possibly it maybe it was super hexagonist maybe it was the hardest i can't remember i think yeah. i think it was i think it was the hardest one because when we saw you done that we were like what the fuck like that's just bonkers yeah and a guitar hero as well would stand out yeah like because that was just me like repeating songs for two or three hours and like maybe in like the last 30 seconds or the, like the last five seconds i'd i would strum a wrong note and i'd have to do it over again and a lot of that was just repetition but a lot of a lot of that took a lot of those like 100% full combos or whatever took a hell of a lot of retries. I remember there was a game I think it was called XXX Stream or was it just Xtreme? Maybe there was a song called there was there was a song in Guitar Hero 2 called Xtreme and I think the note count was like 1337 like deliberately it was because isn't oh late yeah uh, some kind of internet language so yeah that was probably my longest like perfect note streak because I 100% of that song I think I remember that yeah like so that was a lot of notes I was pretty happy when I did that it wasn't an overly difficult song right I'm gonna say the there's stuff like Jordan, wasn't there? Which were meant to yeah, be really, no, really that difficult. was a bit. That was a bit. My cousin was really was really good at that game as well, but he kind of surpassed me. When I started, I was a lot better than him. But the last time I talked to him, he was doing crazy shit in those games. But yeah, uh, I would say Guitar Hero, Super Hexagon. Those are the games that come to mind. Right. Oh, and another one that comes to mind is um, managing to get all of the achievements in Lost Odyssey. Because fucking hell, yeah, that's that's a big game to do. That game had an achievement called Treasure Trove. In hindsight, it was a really shitty idea, but you had to click on the background to get like random items. So every single area in that game I would run against all the edges just bashing A to make sure that I didn't miss an item but like that game was 50-60 hours so when I saw that achievement pop up on the screen like the fact that I had actually gotten every item in that game that was, I was pretty thorough about it but still that was pretty I knew there was like really missable ones that people said oh these are you know everybody misses these but somehow I'd gotten them all so yeah that was another one that's a lesson in persistence yeah I think if persistence was something that especially even now but back then I was pretty persistent at, at games. Question 18. Name a time where a game that you otherwise enjoyed went out with a whimper. My answer is Bioshock. The original Bioshock. The ending of that game was shit. Yeah, see a lot of people always go like that's such a good story. Um, I just, I really, really disagree. The twist's good. That's the twist is something that can only be done in games. Yeah, the twist was good. And then it just sort of derails and just like it's just rubbish after that. Yeah. You don't really know what it's doing. It's just all over the place, and it's like people go, "Well, oh, you, it's this, you know, it's oh, man, it, yeah, crap." It's uh, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you there. Yeah, I know you weren't the biggest fan of Bioshock. 
but I was such a fan of that game for like 90% of it and or well actually now that I think about it I think Bioshock my memory of it was like up to a certain point it was like a horror game and mm. and then it just turned into a fucking generic shooter yeah and I really thought that it yeah went off the rails so Bioshock for me is the perfect example yeah yeah that's a really really good choice I, I'm 100% behind you there Question 19, where do you think games will go over the next few years and what will be your part in it? Well, I think hopefully the constant stream of good indie games will continue and I'll definitely be on board with that, buying more games than I can play and getting excited about games that turn out to be shit and um, creating threads for games and then leave, never playing them more than three times. <laughs> and we might start to see more kind of double A games come back. Like I know there have been games like Hellblade and well Hellblade was made by like a professional studio, but and things like a way out where we might see games that are like five or six hours as opposed to being this massive open world. Mm. You know, we might see more focused games coming back. But like if they're made with like if things like Unity get stronger, you know, we could see games that look really good but you know don't have to be made in like a massive budget. I'm not really sure because obviously it seemed like things were going like people were heavily pushing microtransactions and, and and like always online microtransactions loot boxes but there seems to have been a pushback against that but i think definitely we're probably heading towards always online with like persistent stores and things like that i'm not sure about vr i don't know if i've never played a vr game and it'd be so far down in my list of priorities i'm not sure if i would get one but i'm not sure when i think of when i was younger and uh, like how it seemed like there were new genres being invented and the graphical leap between consoles was huge in the last few years i think I mean, has gaming changed dramatically from the PS3, Xbox 360 generation? I think we've kind of settled into a pattern in the last decade or so, so I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, I know there's 4K and there'll probably be 8K and there'll probably be 16K and I know, you know, there's VR, but it would be nice if something came out of left field. Somebody came up with something like Dark Souls, which, I mean, I know Dark Souls was like a kind of a spiritual reimagining or whatever of Kingsfield and things like that. But yeah, that's what I'm more excited about. Somebody just coming up with a new genre or a new type of experience. Mm. It's so hard for people to float ideas and actually, you know, get them pushed out to the sphere, you know, where people can actually play them and enjoy them. You look at the Telltale games. Yeah. If you'd have said to someone 10 or 15 years before those games come out, oh, people are going to enjoy playing a choose-your-own-adventure book, you'd have been laughed at. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're, they're like one of the most popular fucking things to come out. They were just everywhere. Telltale sort of dominated you know, that market. And Ubi as well with Life is Strange. That were another, like, another story-based game. And, and also like walking simulators as well. Like, who thought that they'd be a thing? Yeah, the walking simulators have nearly kind of had their moment in the sun. Or at least I think they have to be really good because Steam obviously has decided to not be like a curated store. So a game really, I think, has to get good buzz now and has to be really, really good. Like even I know the developers have gone home, which sold really well. And then they made Tacoma, which was pretty well reviewed, but like absolutely bombed. So yeah, I think it's going to be pretty hard now for walking simulators to honest, you know, they're good enough to deserve blowing mm. up. The one thing I like is that Japanese developers have started porting their games to Steam and things like that. So there's a lot of JRPGs on Steam now. And even companies like Square Enix, like all their upcoming games are going to be released on Steam. I think it's a realisation that people like playing games on PC. And yeah. the sort of the Japanese are kind of phobic against PC gaming. Yeah. They've not treated it well for a long time. And now they've realised that there's money to be made there. They just need to, need to get yeah. the finger 
fingers out their asses and fucking port the shit over there. As architecture between consoles and PCs gets closer as time passes, it's just going to get easier and easier for them. Yeah, I like the direction gaming has arrived at because you've got these Japanese RPGs making a comeback and being like widely released in the West. Things like traditional point and click adventures and traditional computer RPGs, things like Pillars of Eternity, Thimbleweed Park, the kind of games that I love to play have been coming back. And now there's, there's so many of them that I can't even play them all. Mm. We went through a period where you had to be a big fucking publisher to get anything out where it's gone back to more I won't say bedroom coding because yeah. it's few and far between where people enjoy getting big games out under that sort of production uh, I guess you can say Jonathan Blow and stuff have done it yeah and Phil Fish but in general you, you need a your studio but we are going back to you know, times where you can have a small studio and you can get something out and it, it can be a massive hit yeah and especially with the Switch I was curious that games that were lingering at the top of the Switch charts like Stardew Valley and Rocket League and things like that. How are these games sales on the Switch eShop comparing to Steam? Well, maybe not games like Rocket League and Stardew Valley, which were massive hits on Steam, but there have been indie games like Sonic Mania, I think, and a few other games that they've had better sales on the Switch than Steam, so I think that's really positive. Okay, question 20, your fuck, marry, kill question. Based on your previous answers, your fuck, marry, kill contenders are Final Fantasy, Sly Reflex, and Guitar Hero. This could be fucking worrying for me. Well, I can't kill you, Sly, so you're the only living creature in those. Uh, okay, so it might be painful and uncomfortable, but I guess... Well, I guess if, we're, if we marry, we're going to end up fucking anyway. So I think it'd be better <laughs> off to just do it once. So I'll fuck you, Sly. <laughs> just get it out of the way. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we can have a good laugh about it like you're laughing now. So yeah. So that's that oh, out of the way. Fucking hell. I think Guitar Hero is already dead, so killing it wouldn't do any more damage. So I'll kill Guitar Hero and I'll marry Final Fantasy. Because I'm already okay. married to Final Fantasy, so whatever. Okay, well, with that being said, this has been MF Gamers. <laughs> Are you feeling raw, Slay? <laughs> He's been Tommy. Right, I'm have to go lube up my ass and um, take the Irish love. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> turn it off. Oh, turn it off. <laughs>